Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of March 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And as my colleague joked, it was a week that when you add up the numbers, looks kind of boring. Not much happened, I guess. But the reality is, is that it was quite a week, quite an eventful week, in fact. You had tremendous volume and activity across the select sector spider lineup. Over 1.6 billion shares traded across the select sector spider lineup, which is by far the largest we've seen in quite some time. And if you think about it and you listen to this podcast regularly, we have weeks where we get a third of that, maybe a quarter of that in some cases. And that type of robust volume is just reflective of the type of activity we saw in the market. Again, just 1.2 million shares of net redemptions across the select sector spider lineup, which, again, doesn't tell the story of just what happened. And last week's tone of the podcast was a bit dour, as I mentioned, and I think necessarily so, considering the uncertainty that we were facing heading into the weekend. And it's not like we kicked off the week with a bunch of very positive news. In fact, we had more banks in the crosshairs. Credit Suisse is the headliner, and that's a foreign bank, but it certainly set a tone for what was happening in the market. But then we had First Republic, Signature Bank, PacWest, to name three different banks that were in the news, possibly going the route of Silicon Valley Bank or at least in the crosshairs of the market. And then we saw First Republic get $30 billion of investments or deposits from a, a consortium of banks. And the the banking news was obviously the dominant theme here, but we also had some economic data that at the very least was positive. So CPI was in line on both a core and a headline basis, 5.5 and 6% respectively. We had headline PPI turn negative on a month-over-month basis. We have core PPI down to 0.2%. So some positive economic data on the inflation front, which of course has been dictating so much of the market activity. But you have this uncertainty around the banking sector. And if you look at what's happening in the financial sector, what you see is just wild swings from a flows perspective and from a performance perspective. In fact, when you look at the week, we saw about 10 million new shares created in XLF or 325 million in net flows across the one week period. But that doesn't really tell the whole story because we saw some massive creation activity on a one day period. And we saw a massive sell off in the banking industry within financial services. And you look at XLF down 6% for the week. It wasn't even the worst performing sector. That was energy down nearly 7% for the week. And energy is a sector we've talked a lot about. And it is just getting the doors blown off it more recently. The flip side is, is that we saw a pretty significant rally in some of these sectors that are leading the market. Technology up 5.6% for the week. Communication services up 5.28% for the week. Consumer discretionary up 2.31%. So all three of those meaningful sectors outperforming the market. In some ways, technology has been a ballast in this market environment. And yet, 
underneath the surface, once again, you look at some of these economic indicators and they're at the very least signaling that there's some economic turmoil. Forget the banking crisis or whatever you want to call it. We got the U.S. leading economic index, which fell 0.3% in February. That's the 11th decline in a row. And it's continuing to signal at the very least a possible recession, if not an actual recession. And if you look inside of that, so economists pulled by Wall Street had a forecast of 0.4% drop. So it was slightly better than expected, if that's what you want to say. But eight of the 10 indicators tracked by the conference board who produced this report fell in February. So just going to read one of the pieces of that report, negative or flat contributions from eight of the index's 10 components, more than offset, improving stock prices and better than expected reading for residential building permits. So what that says is basically everything except for the stock market and better than expected residential building permits is going in the wrong direction. Then they went on to say, while the rate of month-over-month declines in the LEI have moderated in recent months, the leading economic index still points to risk of recession in the U.S. economy. So here we have technology, communication services, consumer discretionary, leading the market higher in a week in which we saw the risk of significant bank failures and one of the bigger banks in the world, Credit Suisse, basically on the verge of bankruptcy. And yet, Underneath the surface, economic indicators are showing us that the economy is showing signs of stress. And here we have technology up 5.6% for the week, communication services up five and a quarter percent. And it's reflective of a market environment that is very challenging and is confounding a lot of investors who use sectors and who are trying to position accordingly. Now, I did mention energy down Nearly 7% for the week, worst performing sector once again, and we saw 13 million shares redeemed out of XLE. That's a big number. I mean, you're talking about nearly a billion dollars in outflows out of XLE for the week alone. And again, it's reflective of sector rotation. It's reflective of repositioning in the market. And I think people getting caught offside. The defensive orientation of many investors coming into the market into 2023 has proved to be problematic for investors who weren't overweight some of the sectors that have been working, including, as we mentioned, technology. Now, to be fair, you had healthcare up 1.34%, you have XLU or utilities up 4%, and then you also had staples up 1.42%. So you have pretty strong performance from the defensive sectors in the market, but It is a really interesting time to be looking at these sectors and trying to make sense of what's going on in the market, considering we've got pretty significant banks failing. We've got economic indicators that are showing signs of significant stress in the economy. And outside of that, you've got a market that seems to orient toward growth. Now, the sector in focus this week is real estate. And the reason the sector is in focus this week is because we haven't talked about it a lot and it'd be easy to talk about energy or financials once again. But real estate's in a really interesting position because we've talked about regime change in the market and this idea that we're going to have higher interest rates for longer. Inflation might be stickier at the higher end. And real estate is a sector of the market that checks some boxes in terms of providing income in a market that in theory should reward dividend payers. And yet real estate 
up just 36 basis points this week, having a challenging go of it more recently and, and really facing these secular headwinds of office space being in shorter demand as a result of this hybrid workforce or this ongoing evolution of our workforce away from being in the office every day outside of some major companies forcing people to go in or major metropolitan areas. And as a result, you see these wide swaths of office properties that have to be revalued. And you also had at the end of 2022, this massive demand for redemption activity from private real estate portfolios, the public markets, of course, which is what XLRE and products like it track have persistently traded at a discount to their private counterparts. And the question is, is within something like XLRE in a public real estate portfolio, what is fair value and what is reflective of the outlook going forward? If you look at the fundamentals for real estate, they're really compelling. I mean, leverage has come down considerably. These companies have done a good job of, of borrowing money at cheaper rates and extending maturities of their debt profile to insulate them somewhat from rising interest rates. At the same time, like I said, NAVs are certainly – at the very least, not reflective of current market prices. So you've got a discount to NAV on public prices or public property portfolios. And in addition to that, some of the trends here, whether it's releasing spreads, are very positive. But that's in certain segments of the real estate market. That's not true for office. That's not true for some of the key components of the real estate market. So when you think about XLRE, you think about towers and data centers that have been driving a lot of those portfolios more recently. And those are certainly related to technology. So you'd think that they benefit from the rally in technology, in communication services, in consumer discretionary companies that touch the data centers and tower REITs in the category. And yet real estate is just sort of holding its own so far in in. 2023, and it really hasn't seen the snapback of evaluation toward what we're seeing in the private markets. Now, it could be, of course, that the private markets are overvalued and the redemption activity that we're seeing in that category will start to take care of some of that dispersion between private and public real estate. But it's a sector that a lot of people were very bullish on going into 2022. It's a sector that historically has done well in inflationary environments and rising interest rate environments, despite the fact that it is a yield-oriented segment of the marketplace. But by and large, real estate has not done what a lot of people expected it to do. And what we're seeing is that a lot of the folks who do sector research are trying to provide weightings to various sectors and we're inching closer toward market weights. Ned Davis had a piece out this week talking about how they're inching closer to market weights and perhaps looking toward a more defensive orientation in the market. That, in theory, means that real estate, which is a very small weighting in the S&P 500, will not be overweight in a lot of investor portfolios, regardless of those fundamental and valuation characteristics that in theory make it compelling. And historically, those characteristics have benefited the sector in an environment like the one in which we're currently operating and going forward, one in which we're going to be operating, considering that historically these companies have done well in inflationary and rising rate environments.
So another point I wanted to make before we move on to the week ahead is the Gix change, which, of course, we've signaled was coming, came at the end of the week. We focused largely on companies going out of technology into financials, companies going out of technology into industrials, companies going from consumer discretionary into consumer staples. If you're curious at all about the impact of those gigs changes, please read the Ned Davis piece that's on the Select Sector Spider website. There's a tremendous amount of insight there as to what the impacts are, what the revaluation of the market will look like, what the relative weightings of various sectors will be post gigs change. There's also some changes in the real estate sector, which we haven't focused a lot on in terms of more granularity among different industries and sub-industries within real estate, but certainly something to keep an eye on on a go-forward basis as you think about your relative exposures to the various sectors in the market. On the economic data front, this is Fed week, so all eyes are going to be on the Fed meeting. This is a very important Fed meeting, and I know we say that every time, but in reality, the Fed is in a very difficult position because they've committed to this mandate of trying to manage inflation with the economic knock-on effects that they're willing to deal with. But in the case of bank failures and bank runs, the Fed is in a very difficult place because the impact of their rate hikes was a pretty significant contributor to what we saw at Silicon Valley Bank and other smaller regional banks. So the question is, of course, if they continue to focus on inflation, then in theory, they're going to have to raise 50 basis points because even though the inflation reports this week on a PPI and CPI basis were trending in the right direction, we're still in a period where inflation is well above the Fed's target. So in theory, or in a vacuum, I should say, a 50 basis point hike might be appropriate. But given the backdrop of bank failures and bank runs, the question has become, are we going to get a 25 basis point rate hike? Are we not going to get any rate hike at all? And what happens at this Fed meeting on Wednesday will be sure to have a massive influence on the market. We're going to get housing data. We're going to get PMIs. The market will, of course, watch that. But by and large, the market is going to be focused on what the Fed does this week. And I think rightly so, considering that the stakes are so high and the market is calling out for the Fed to solve issues that are ultimately driven by fiscal policy and the knock-on effects of what we've gone through over the course of the past couple of years coming out of and through the COVID crisis. On the earnings front, we're going to hear from Nike, General Mills, and Accenture. So Nike, of course, a massive consumer brand, and General Mills, a company that will give us additional insight as to Profitability, margins, the impact on inflation at the consumer level for consumer companies and what the read-through is to what it means for inflation at the consumer level. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone once again for joining me. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I hope everyone has a wonderful week, and we'll catch you next time. Take care.